Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome in, Bears fans. This is not your average Bears post-game show. I am not Bill Zimmerman. I am Jeff Burkus. I'm a writer <laughs> for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the great Taylor Dahl. Taylor, the Bears lose 24-17 to in New Orleans, a house of horrors for them over the last, uh, I don't know, 30 years or something like that. Yeah. Uh, this game was close, but no cigar. Um, how did you take the game? Yeah, and I think I commented to you, Jeff, before where I was like, I don't think this is going to be the game that some because some people were like, by halftime, it's going to be over. I was like, I truly don't believe that. And people that listen to Making Monsters and other things that I have done on Windy City Gridiron, obviously, no, I work in Jacksonville. I also cover the Jags. I just watched the Jags cover the Saints. I mean, play the Saints. And I was like, the Saints aren't a very good football team. And I, I, I was expecting it to be about this. Honestly, I was expecting the Saints to win, but it to be within a score. Um, unfortunately the bears had so many chances and that's, what's frustrating to me is they had chance after chance today to kind of like make it even closer or even win this game. You obviously, you get a doink, unfortunately, then we see a doink by the saints. So that evened it out. But to me, it was way too many mistakes and crucial moments. And that's what the Bears shot themselves in the foot way too many times. And when that happens, when you turn the ball over multiple times, you're the chances of you winning a football game start to reduce every single time you turn the ball over and it, it happened too much. And then the, the guys you're counting on, we love DJ Moore. This is not slander on DJ Moore, but you got to catch that ball. Like there's certain situations where those moments, the guys you're counting on in those situations, you're hoping they make those plays and it just wasn't happening. Um, this is one of those things to me where it shows Tyson Bajan. Love the kid. Love the story. I just did my podcast on him. I'm rooting for him big time. But it, it's just not there. There's not that those moments, way too many. And some of the turnovers you can blame on other people. And I get that because we do the same thing for Justin Fields. But I think that when you're watching, watching Tyson Bajan, I think that sometimes he forces it in situations where maybe it could have been put, it, it could have been an easier first down or even take that four or five yards rather than get that big play. And that's what he's looking for in certain times. And to me, it was a frustrating game because every time you felt like something started going the Bears' way, it reversed very quickly. Um, that goes with penalties. That goes with dropped passes. That goes with – I think the main thing to me was penalties. So that stick out to you a lot where it felt like it was just every time you felt like it was in a positive way, it turned around in that aspect. Well, it's definitely been a theme for the Bears this year, right? You have the hits principle, which part of that is playing smart. And I think we saw some of that last year where the Bears were pretty good about limiting penalties, limiting turnovers to some extent. And then this year you get in and they're leading the league in pre-snap penalties. And, you know, it seems like they're pretty sloppy. They're not disciplined. And so it, it is kind of an interesting uh, juxtaposition from last year, right? Where you thought, oh, well, they're not talented, but, you know, they're playing tough and they're they're playing smart. And now you get a little bit more talent, but you don't see 
to see the same playing smart. And that, that did rear its ugly head again today. But like you mentioned turnovers. The Bears turned the ball over five times in this one. Tyson Bajan throws three picks. He has a fumble and then DJ Moore fumble. That's five times that the, the Saints were able to turn the ball over. The Bears defense doesn't turn it over at all. Right. Yeah. Like once again, we see, you know, empty zeros across the board for sacks, uh, for forced fumbles and for interceptions for this Bears defense. And so it, that's a very lopsided uh, a, a score on the ledger there. And, and generally, if you lose the turnover battle, you're going to lose the game. Uh, but if you lose it five to nothing, like you shouldn't be anywhere close. And the Bears were able to keep it close in this one. So what does that tell you? Like to you, what does that show when like an indicator of a team that has made that many mistakes, made that many turnovers, had that many penalties and was still able to stay within a score at the end of the game? And I, I said this this last week where I was like, I think the Bears on the football field are talented. And I think I would say very talented because I think there's a lot of pieces on this team that are making plays. But to me, it's a lot of coaching. There are certain scenarios where and pre-snap penalties directly correlates to coaching. And we've said that a million times. I know there's mistakes. Braxton's coming back. He hasn't played in a little bit. We saw a couple errors from him today. But there's certain times where you would hope that guy, like certain guys would be able to avoid those situations. And bad calls, too. We saw it last week against the Chargers a million times. Very bad calls. Today, there was a couple that were very, like, tic-tac-y type of things. But you avoid those. Like, if you clean it up. This could be a, a different game. And that's what's frustrating to me is it's not like they look, they're not a bad football team to me. They're an undisciplined football team. And I think there's a difference. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I'm trying to be fair to you, both parties here. And I don't think the, the Saints are all that well coached because yeah. if you have, if you win the turnover battle five to nothing, you should be putting the, a team like the Bears away. A couple quickly, scores. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it just didn't seem like for whatever reason, the, there are some of their choices. I mean, you know, Dennis Allen uh, called a quarterback sneak with, with Derek Carr, even though he has kind of this cheat code, Taysom Hill, so. who, who is yeah. really good at that. I mean, I, I don't think Taysom Hill is like a quarterback prospect that they were trying to make him a couple of years ago. And they, they know that at this point. Um, so I have a bit of a reputation for not liking Taysom Hill, but <laughs> if you have Taysom Hill and you're paying him all that money, what you do is you have him convert fourth and ones for you and you protect Derek Carr. Uh, yeah. But they rushed the line and they got stopped of course. And, and great, you know, great play by the bears defensive line to do that. But there's just a couple of decisions there where Dennis Allen kept the bears in the game uh -huh. uh, by, by, by doing what he did there. So, um, yeah, if I'm being fair, I feel like maybe both sides aren't very well coached, but it is interesting that the Bears were able to keep it. Let's also mention in the Superdome, which is not an easy place to play, no matter what team, what Saints team is playing. The Superdome is loud. It's difficult. We know the history of the Bears at Superdome, and it's not, and it's not just the Bears. There's a lot of teams that struggle playing there. It's a very difficult place to play, and they kept it within a score and uh, to the end, and that's not an easy thing to do. Yep, absolutely. So I want to take these one at a time. We kind of have like an opening scrum there, but let's let's take these one at a time and let's focus in. So you just talked about Tyson Bajan on making monsters recently. So let's talk a little bit about his performance that he has had over the last three and a half games. We hear reports that Justin Fields may be back for the Thursday night game uh, against the Panthers. We will see. Um, and we'll talk about Justin here in a, in a couple minutes. Um, but Tyson Bajan had you know, three and a half games to show you what he has potentially as a backup quarterback going forward. I think we can probably put to rest this idea that Bajan should be starting the rest of the year. He's like QB one future. Let's let him try to develop into QB two before we put expectations for him to be <laughs> QB one, right? Like let, let's, let's start with that. Um, but over the course of these three and a half games, he's, he's had six interceptions. 
Um, and, uh, you know, he, he does get the ball out fast. He's decisive, he's not afraid, but I think what you, you said earlier about the, the DJ Moore throw in the end zone, you know, if he has a little bit more, uh, of a little more arm talent, gets the ball there a little quicker and yep. it avoids that contact with the DB, right. Uh, you know, a little bit more arm, arm talent gets the ball over the middle of the field, which where a couple of those interceptions were today, yeah. you know, he's able to get the ball on the receiver faster and not allow that DB. I mean, some of those were a little behind, but yeah. uh, you know, he's able to get the ball on the receiver quicker. So he doesn't necessarily have that arm strength, that arm talent that people like to talk about to be able to make every throw on the field. Every throw is not available to Tyson Bajan at this point. Yeah, Can that change? You know, generally, arm strength's a little bit harder to add at this stage in your life. And you know, you just, you just may not have it. Um, but overall, what would you say your assessment is of of Tyson Bajan as a potential QB two for this team moving forward? Yeah, to me, I think I think he has everything that you would want out of a quarterback too. Um, he's been put in a situation on a team where even your starting quarterback in Justin Fields, and now we're at the point where we're deciding, hey, is Justin Fields your quarterback of the future, or is it time to start to look somewhere else? And a lot of people are confident in Justin, but that's a very split thing in Chicago, I think, right now. And even somebody like that has been struggling to win football games on this offense. So to the expectation to think that Tyson could come in and win games pretty quickly is probably not an ideal scenario. But I think that for the most part, he's a guy that you can trust in most situations. I think that today there were moments where he was like pushing things when maybe he shouldn't have. Um, he's a winner. And sometimes that winner mentality, that, that, the competitor mentality turns into maybe forcing some plays that shouldn't happen. And the arm is kind of the question, but we saw the first play of last week. We saw he has the ability to throw downfield and, and make those deep throws. So it's there. Um, the, the question is how much can they surround Tyson and Justin and make it a successful offense? Because the one thing that we've seen in history with the bears to me, Jeff, is that every time I feel like we've had a quarterback where we're at least a little confident in, the backup quarterback has almost opposite talents of what the starting quarterback is. So when he comes in, you have to completely transform your offense and it shouldn't, that's not what you should have to do today. We saw Tyson be able to run. He used his legs. Did it feel like to you, they, they schemed up more runs for Tyson today than they had Justin all year. Well, they definitely did a few things that I haven't necessarily seen them do for Justin. A lot, a little bit more play action. It seems like they're a little bit more creative and trying to get him easy throws, yeah. which again, like any quarterback should will benefit from the easy throws. Yeah. I think a lot of the runs today were a reflection of the Saints playing a lot of man defense, okay. which you're not, which teams aren't doing against Justin Fields against anymore. Justin, yeah. Right. Because you turn your back to Justin Fields and he's going to get 25 Gone. before you know it. Right. Um, but he did prove a little bit like, Hey, you can't really, you can't really play that against me because I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pick up easy first downs. Right. Yeah. Justin may take those 40 yards mm -hmm. where, where, where Bajan, you know, takes them, you know, he, so many Ten. Justin Fields runs yeah. last year, you know, kind of demonstrate that, but, yeah. um, but yeah, he, he showed good awareness to be able to say, okay, the, that's not there. I'm going to take off and I'm a good enough athlete to be able to do that. Yeah. So that, so that, that was, that was a good thing. Um, so yeah. to me, that's what I think that if you can make the offenses, you can have them run similar offenses and it be at least effective. I think that it is a good option for a QB two moving forward for the bears, because you have someone that does have the option of the legs. You don't have to completely shift your offense when Tyson Bajan's out there. Um, the one thing that I love about Bajan and I miss, I mentioned this a lot 
last week on my podcast or the week before maybe is the different weapons that you see him use. Like you saw Tyler Scott, you saw Darnell Mooney a ton today. Mooney went off and I love seeing that. It's obviously a, a contract time to talk for Mooney. So perfect time for him to start doing this. But Bajent seems way more comfortable with guys like Scott and Mooney than he does maybe even DJ Moore. Uh, Cole Komet and him had that connection today too, which I've been shouting use Cole Komet more. So it, to me, they use different weapons, which is interesting, but I guess it makes sense because during the offseason, how much was Tyson working with a Scott and a Mooney compared to Justin working with Scott and Mooney on a regular basis? So it, it makes sense. But I think for me, looking forward, it's an ideal QB too. Like you have someone who's more of possibly a game manager type. You hope those the the turnovers and which he's an undrafted rookie out of Shepard. Like those things are going to happen. But I think that the more comfortable he gets in this offense, the more experience he has, uh, you'll start to see that start to shift a little bit and you will see a little bit more comfortable and, and a little more uh, awareness without feeling like he has to make that big play constantly. Um, so I think it's an, I think it's a perfect spot for him to be in Chicago behind another quarterback. Right. And, you know, like I, I've said a few times, it's kind of a poor man's Gardner Menchu situation for me, which, again, is not an insult to this young man. It's a it's a compliment because I have a pretty high opinion of Gardner Menchu. So mm -hmm. uh, but you, you talked about using the weapons. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? Let's stay stay on the offense. I, I want to talk about uh, a couple of these guys. One, Cole Komet, uh, five. Uh, sorry, six catches for 55 yards, two of which were touchdowns, puts him up to five touchdowns on the year. His career high is seven that he set last year. Uh, the Bears franchise record for tight end uh, touchdowns in a season is Mike Dicka with 12. Uh, but then second place all, uh, drops all the way down to eight, uh, which is uh, Greg Olson and uh, Jimmy Graham and another Mike Dicka season. So uh, that feels like that. Maybe, uh, you know, second place is certainly on the table for Cole Komet, but you're okay. a big Golden Domer. So I want you to kind of tell me about what you think about Cole Komet getting much more involved in the offensive game plan the last two weeks. I love Cole Komet and I, I am biased. I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I know it's there. Um, but I think that from the start, we've seen progress from Cole Komet from year one. Every single year, I think we've seen him get better. And obviously last year, you mentioned it was seven touchdowns last year. Year before, we saw zero. So there's definitely a little bit of a roller coaster within his career. But I think statistically, when you look across the board with Komet, he sits in the top 15 all of the years, and that's with offenses that have been struggling heavily. Um, and so to me, this contract this last season, I was pumped about. I think it's time and I, it's time to start paying guys who are showing up and you want touchdowns. Yes, you want Cole Komet to be kind of more of that red zone target guy because I think that that's what you usually expect out of your tight end, somebody like him. Um, but we saw today what he's capable of, even the the yards after contact he was getting today and the kind of wiggling out and figuring out last week we saw a whistle blown early and that ruined one of the plays of Cole Komet. Um, but I, I think he's to me, it's a tight end that you want. I, I do think that the Bears need to work on some another tight end that is maybe better in the blocking ability and some of the other tight end things. I know we have Mercedes Lewis, who's like the guy this year that's what he does but future and looking in the future of what the bears need you would need that guy you need that type of tight end because that's just not really what cole is um cole more so is what we saw today and that is catching those catching those passes when it's a, a, not technically midfield which the bears struggle with but 
kind of sort of towards the middle. You want to get inside the hash marks, which the Bears have struggled with a lot this entirety of this year of getting guys there. And it seems like Cole Komet kind of is comfortable in that in that area. And then when it gets to the end zone, you want to be able to throw to him. And he's just he you want your tight end to be almost your security blanket. And it feels like Cole Komet could be that guy, but there has to be a trust between him and Justin. And I feel like we haven't seen that completely between them two. That concerns me a little bit. I And I just mentioned a second ago, I think that Tyson looks more comfortable with Cole than Justin does. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, you know, the, the zero touchdown year, I mean, Lester and I talked about it a lot uh, on our podcast at that time. And then coming into the year, people were like, you know, oh, he never scores touchdowns. And it's like, well, you know, I, I <laughs> will bet you that he scores more than one touchdown this year, right? Or more than zero <laughs> yeah. touchdowns this year. And, you know, he, he did, you know, he, he did find the end zone seven times last year and five times already this year. Part of it may have just been that Jimmy Graham was on the team. And that yeah. was clearly the snaps that Jimmy Graham was getting. They were paying Jimmy Graham a lot of money to See basically just body guys in the end zone. That was that yeah. was pretty much what he was there for. So maybe, you know, Cole has taken that in part of the, the you know, the, the lessons from Jimmy Graham and try to incorporate that into his game. Um, but yes, it's it is it does seem as though the last two games. Bajan has uh, looked to Cole Komet, which is generally what you think a young quarterback will do, particularly uh-huh. someone who has limited arm strength like Bajan. He's not going to try to find, you know, down down the field no. options. He should be finding stuff around, uh, you know, inside of 10 yards. And that's generally yeah. what, where the tight end's running. So it, so that's not surprising to me that, that Cole Komet has been a favorite target and, you know, uh, even more so last, last week. The week before, wh- where he didn't get a target was was weird, yeah. right? Yeah, so, that was- uh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's good to see that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Darnell Mooney because he mentioned him as well. He had he had five catches for 82 yards. Um, he had that great play last week to open the game where you know if he would have stood up and run, I think he would have you know scored a touchdown oh, off yeah. of that off that initial play. But that that throw wasn't a particularly great throw to start the game last week. It was really all Darnell Mooney. Mooney kind of putting an, an, a fake out move on the, the the DB. And so Mooney, like you say, he's really trying to showcase all of his ability here and, and doing the most with what he had, even that uh, little fake to, to go out of bounds and then cut it back in. And, and there are yeah. three saints defenders that just sort of flowed out of the play and he was able to cut it up and get a lot of yards after catch there. I mean, that, that play wasn't really much at all. And then he made yeah. it into an explosive play. And so you know, Mooney starting to come on is only good for this offense. But what do you see in terms of, you know, do you think that he is part of the future plans for Chicago or is he kind of playing for a contract elsewhere at this point? That it concerns me a little bit because I would love to keep Darnell. Like, I think that Mooney to me is a bear and it makes me sad to think about him not being a bear. But at the same time, I think that Chicago has like a, a certain mindset of what they are and I think with Mooney, you have these games where you see these flashes and you're like, man, like he can do it. But then you don't really see much for a couple games and you start to get a little concerned that like, where's Darnell Mooney? Why aren't we seeing him? And he he's a smaller guy. That's a lot of the conversation we have. And you want to start to see those big receivers on the Bears offense. And DJ Moore's bigger, um, but you have a when you the history of what we've had at least the last five years has been a lot of smaller guys who can make plays. Um, but you want the guys now who can get those 50-50 balls, contested catches. That's such a big thing in the NFL with the amount of talent that is on in the defensive back room across the league. And so I think that I want Darnell Mooney in Chicago, but I, do I think that right now he's more so playing to be like, 
hey, I'm here. I'm not just a wide receiver. Number two, three, I can be somebody's like one. I think that's what's in Darnell's mind. And we had those conversations last year. I remember in the off season when there was a lot of arguments, I think Orlovsky was the one that was like, he's definitely not a one, maybe barely a two. And I remember him making comments about that and Bears fans attacked Orlovsky. It was like, what? Like, no, Mooney's a one. I don't think Darnell Mooney's a number one. The only reason I say that is probably because of the size, but I do think that he can be a solid two in Chicago and you build around him. And especially with an offense, when you're now working on fixing the offensive line, we're hoping that pieces start to get healthy and we get a center that can snap the ball because that's important. Um, you start to build this offense around guys that you're confident in and start fill, forming connections rather than every single year having to completely revamp your offense because you're having to change <laughs> everything around your quarterback or your quarterback and so i think that's an important thing is developing off off of these guys and i think darnell mooney is a solid foundation of what the bears should want looking forward yeah let's i want to talk about running back so i'm wearing the angry runs yes shirt. I uh, so deonta foreman won the angry runs from from kyle brand and the good morning football guys uh so they were kind enough to send me this so you know head on over to homage and, and check them out uh, i think it's a cool t-shirt and so 20 carries 83 yards 20 carries for deonta foreman uh wow. and only two carries for roshan johnson so you know, this is maybe a little bit different than a lot of Bears fans expected coming into the year. I think a lot of people were pretty excited about Roshan taking over the number one running. I heard a lot of that. Roshan Josh is going to be number one running back. You know, I, I'm a I'm the biggest Cole Herbert fan there is. So, you know, I, I wasn't there. But, you know, interested to see Roshan develop and see what he can do. And obviously he got knocked out uh, with, with, the, with the concussion for a few weeks and coming back. Maybe they're just trying to slowly reintegrate him into the offense. But Deontay Foreman has really taken charge of this backfield with Herbert Hurt and Johnson Hurt over the last few weeks. And, and I mean, 20 carries in a game where it was negative game script for a good chunk of this, or at least, you know, neutral game script um, is really impressive. So what what is Foreman brought to this team and, and what do you think of him uh, in his one year stay here in Chicago? I love Deontay. I was super high on Deontay Foreman when the Bears signed him. And I think that we all saw the... He's he's been a journeyman around the NFL, and it's weird to me, honestly, that a team hasn't locked him down even for some sort of contract because everywhere he's been, he's been able to succeed in some sort of fashion. And we saw last year filling shoes of Christian McCaffrey, big shoes to fill, like very big shoes to fill. And he was on pace to hit a thousand yards and he didn't even start a full season. And that's just the type of guy that Foreman is. He's tough. He's the one that will get through there. There's certain moments sometimes where like even today where I was watching where I was like, man, he's so good. And then I feel like the next play, he was just running into the back of the lineman. And I was kind of like, oh, like, what is that? What's happening with that? But I think he's that guy who when he does find even the smallest slide of space, he's going to get it. And that's what you want from a guy like and he'll get those yards after contact. He'll force some plays that maybe you don't think could happen. You want that short yardage plays. You want the ball in Deontay Foreman's hand. Uh, but I think for me, it's like I'm my biggest question mark is I love Khalil Herbert. And if Khalil Herbert was in the offense, how different would it look? And that's what I keep kind of going back to is how would they be using Herbert in this? How would those the you just said 20? What did he have? 20? 
20 carries. That's a lot. 20 carries, yep. which I think we all kind of uh, suspected that there'd be a, it'd be a heavy run today, but what would that look like if Khalil Herbert was playing today? And that's what I, that's my biggest question mark. Uh, I hope they keep using Deontay Foreman, but I also hope that once Khalil Herbert is back, they still are able to incorporate him in the offense because I think they both are very individually good players and do different things. Um, Deontay Foreman is a running back. Like, that's what he does. There's not much outside of that. You're not going to scheme a whole lot of different things around Deontay Foreman, but if you want want that run up the middle that's going to get you six, seven, eight yards, he's going to do it. Absolutely. I agree. I like him a lot. Um, I, you know, hand him the ball. Let's see what he can do. But again, I'm the biggest Cole Herbert fan there is. So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, looking forward like, to Herbert think, coming back. What do you think today would have looked like if Herbert was playing? Well, I, think, I think he would have had half the touches Foreman. I think, you know, I think Herbert probably has 15 and Foreman has five. Yeah. Right. I mean, or seven or something like that. Right. Because, you know, uh, as good as Foreman is and he he is good, he's a little bit more power and and not quite the juice that Juice Herbert brings. Right. And so you want that ability to to have those explosive plays. To me, football is a lot about explosive plays. Right. Like the modern day football is trying to get chunk gains either in the passing game or the run. I don't care how you get them. But trying to get those chunk gains, that's that's what leads to points. And on defense, to me, it's about stealing inter- stealing possessions. So it's, yeah. it's trying to turn the ball over and steal possessions. Neither of which the Bears did very well today on. So like, I, you know, I guess there's that. But um, but yeah, so we're doing I, everything you where you want us to do. It's, like it's, it's sort of, of like how I view football is not necessarily <laughs> what, what you see out of the Bears lately. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think Herbert probably still has the lion's share of the carries, um, even with Foreman. But it's been good, I think, to, to have Foreman display what he's capable of because he got buried on the depth chart really quick. Yeah. And I, and I, I was it surprised me because I've seen NFL evidence that he's a good football player yeah. um, where, you know, Roshan kind of rose to the top pretty quick or, or near yeah. the top pretty quick. Um, but but again, you know, it's it's a rookie. It's a guy that you're going to have on the team for four years. You do want to see him have action. Yeah. He is a well-rounded back, uh, being being Roshan. So hopefully he have, gets back in. To have Foreman not even active the first few weeks, it was weird. Right, I agree. I, and I hope he continues to be active and, and gets yeah. carries. So. Uh, we're going to take a quick break real quick. And on the other side of this, we're going to talk about the defense a little bit, um, as painful as that may be. And then we'll uh, we'll see if there's anybody in the comment section on YouTube to uh, ask us some questions. All right, Taylor, let's talk about this defense. So, uh, you know, not 25 or more points, uh, which was the streak <laughs> for quite a long time. It was 24 points. Uh, but you know, you know, the saints sat on it at the end, they missed the field goal and then they sat on the end and in, in the red zone, uh, area, you know, but, but it, it doesn't matter. Like the, it was, it was, uh, too many points for the bears to overcome. Uh, for me, I mentioned at the top, but you know, no sacks, uh, yet again, another, another game goes by with, with, without the bears recording a sack, no turnovers, which is, which is pretty distressing. No one making plays on the ball. Um, to me, the standout players were, uh, Edwards, he had 15 tackles. Again, he just seems like he's everywhere. Uh, that's not surprising that we expect at this point. What I do think is interesting is that our guy, Jack Sanborn just also seemed to be everywhere. And he had, um, uh, you know, a a nice game as well. And he was making big plays. And so, you know, the the question is, I, I think he had 10 tackles, um, you know, double digit tackles. The question is, should this have just been the plan the whole year? Yeah. <laughs> they have just counted on Jack Sanborn to be a starting linebacker in this team. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's going to be because we've seen the Tremaine hate on social media of like we haven't seen. And I think I don't know what people were expecting for Tremaine to come in and immediately do um, maybe more of what TJ Edwards is doing. Honestly, maybe that's what it is. Or maybe because they paid him so much money that it like TJ Edwards and Tremaine are not obviously TJ Edwards is a tackling machine. I just did making monsters on him and he's been that. Uh, since college, he was quarterback in high school, so not in high school, but he's always been, that's what he does is make tackles. And I, I think that maybe people were expecting Tremaine to kind of be that guy. But the difference is with Tremaine is people just kind of avoid him. And that's the difference is when you watch when he's on the field, especially was in the midfield, quarterbacks completely avoid the middle of the field when Tremaine's in that area. And like with TJ, they will kind of force certain things and maybe get the ball around him. But TJ finds the ball. He's that type of guy that will find it. Um, but I think he's been, he's been so much fun to watch. And it is interesting now to say like, okay, you could have saved X amount of money and just had Jack Sanborn and TJ Edwards out there and your linebacker room would be a lot cheaper and maybe look about the same. Um, because we even saw, there was a couple moments today where TJ was around the quarterback too. We didn't get a sack, but there was a few times where I saw him just there, just like seconds away from getting to Derek Carr. And that's the type of guy he is. And I think it's coming. And I honestly think it's only going to get better too. I think we're going to keep seeing TJ Edwards improve and really take hold of this defense. And he's kind of that guy, like even at Wisconsin, Wisconsin, when he was there was the number two nationally ranked defense of total defense and NCAA football when TJ Edwards was there. And I asked on my podcast, like, how much was that TJ and how much was it other guys surrounding? And Kevin Claxton was like, it was TJ Edwards. Like, he is that guy. And he's the type of guy that will completely revamp a defense when you need it. And so I think that we're seeing that very quickly from him. So maybe that is a concern. Maybe it, it, it is one of the things where you're kind of like, man, you could have saved a, a lot of money and not signed Tremaine Edwards, uh, Tremaine Edmonds and had TJ and Jack over there, which we saw glimpses of Jack out of the, like from the get go last season, obviously there was an injury. So you didn't get to see like the full season of it. But I think that the linebacking room at this point is you're confident in them. And I think they're just going to start getting better. And to me, that, that makes me feel good about that. Um, it sucks that we didn't see sacks today. And I was just waiting you saw Montez around the quarterback a few times. You saw TJ around the quarterback a few times. I'm My question constantly is, like, where's Jan? Because that is literally who he's supposed to be, and I feel like I just don't see much out of him at all. And that's my biggest concern of signings, honestly, outside of maybe spending on Edmonds. Well, you know, uh, Edmonds' contract is much bigger Big. and longer, right? Like, that. that's part of the problem is that it's a multi-year commitment and, you know, investing in off-ball linebackers, right? Like, there's kind of this question, particularly when you trade away Roquan Smith and then you bring in a guy like that for that much money. It's like, well, okay, you were kind of signaling that this isn't that important of a position and you're going to build it a different way. But then you go sign a guy that's you know, probably not quite, you know, not as talented as Roquan, certainly hasn't put, to, you know, together the seasons consistently that Roquan has. I mean, Roquan played pretty good football here in Chicago and, mm. and then has taken his game to the next level in Baltimore. Right. Like, I mean, that, yeah. that's, that's, that's the reality. Uh, you know, Edmonds had one really nice year last year in his contract year. Right. So they didn't necessarily have the history and he didn't really save much off of what Roquan got. And then you get to see a game from Jack Sanborn where he looks pretty good. Now I, I will, let me give this disclaimer. 
I wouldn't trust Jack Sanborn in coverage like I would in uh, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, right? Like yeah. that's that's just because there is a certainly a difference in their stature, their length, and you know their their athletic ability, right? And that's just going to come back and be in the favor of, of Edmonds, absolutely. But is yeah. it an allocation of resources that the Bears may regret down the road? They don't. They're not limited right now, so yeah. you know you, you you can't necessarily point to that and say, well, if you wouldn't have done that, you could have had more money over here. Uh, it's just an interesting decision this early in the rebuild or, or uh, an early on in the rebuild. So worth worth at least talking about real quick. Yeah. And, and, you know, we interesting and, and fun to see Sam Board get, at a, you know, another chance at a start last year. That was a lot of fun. It was one of the few bright spots down the stretch was just to watch this yeah. undrafted free agent linebacker play. Right. Um, so uh, other other than that, you know, the defense again. Uh, you know, we mentioned it before, and I see Lester uh, has has a comment here on the live stream. Bears were negative five in turnover ratio. They were hit with eight penalties for seventy one yards. The Saints were only flagged once for five <laughs> yards, uh, and they only lost by seven. So it's, you know, it kind of sums up what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Uh, you know, again though. You know, if you're starting an undrafted free agent rookie, some of those some of those mistakes are happening because of the negative game script late, right? Like, I mean, he's trying to bring the team back. Um, you know, he doesn't have the arm to be able to to make some of those throws that he would need to make in those spots, whatever the case is, right? Um, but if your defense isn't trying to match that level of effort from the you know, like, at some point, we're Bears fans. Yeah, we see defenses over the years carry teams to victory, right? Like, I mean, this Craig Krenzel had a winning record for the Chicago Bears when he had to play in the early 2000s, whatever year that was. Somebody's going to know that off the top of their head, right? Like, <laughs> we've seen Bears defenses carry quarterbacks to victories before. And so, you know, there, there's at least a little bit of that where you're not seeing any kind of impact plays on defense. And you just feel a little bit like, man, if they could just get a turnover or two, this could really change the course of a game. Yeah, and there was like a comment on Twitter. We kind of went back and forth with this because we talked about last year how bad the run defense was and how much it's kind of flipped this year. I think 156 per game to 78 per game, around roughly around those numbers between last year and this year. But it's almost completely flopped when it comes to the passing yards allowed. I'm just truly curious at how much that is revolving injuries because to me – I see an immediate impact when Jaquan Brisker is on the football field. And when I think even moments today, at least three times, I was like, if that was Jaquan, it, w- it, it would have happened. I'm not an Elijah Hicks fan whatsoever. I don't like seeing Elijah Hicks on the football field. And so there's certain moments where I was like, man, if Jaquan was just playing, like it would be different. And I feel like we're waiting for all levels to click at the same time. And we had the, the issue in the beginning of the season where we were like, man, if the defensive line could just do like, a little bit of their job, the secondary would really be able to show out. And then now it's almost reversed where like, you feel like pass rush isn't there, but the defensive line interior has been making some plays and being able to stop the run and there's situations there. And part of that's with the linebackers too. But then you feel like the secondary has kind of been faulting in certain areas, but I truly wonder if when it is Eddie and Jaquan and Jalen and Kyler out there, how much different that will be with all four of them healthy on the football field. And to me, I think it it really would make a difference. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where every team is going to get injuries, right? And so you see a lot of teams able to, 
uh, get through some of those tougher injuries because they have a lot of depth. I mean, you know, like the Eagles traditionally have really good front line, but they also have a way to find a lot of depth and they get real value out of depth players. That's what really good teams do. Right. And the bears, you know, are just trying to get that front starting line of all, everything at, yeah. at, a, at a level that makes them competitive. And they definitely don't have the depth. There are some players that if they were to be cut from the Bears, players that get real snaps for the Chicago Bears, if they would cut them tomorrow for whatever reason, they probably would go unclaimed, yeah. right? Like that that's kind of what we're saying. They're, they're not the least talented team in the league by any stretch last year. I think they could have made that case this year. Not so much, but there are players that are getting real snaps that, you know, probably aren't playing, not getting picked up by another team. Um, And so that does show you that there more depth needs to be built. Right. And and that's part of it, but it's like the same thing with the offensive line, right? Taylor, we're like the, the original plan still hasn't been on the field. The original plan coming into last year never got on the field right because lucas patrick was supposed to be the center last year he only had one start and in that start um i believe showfield started at left guard so that was and that was not part of the original plan this year the original plan has never been on the field together right and you and this was the seventh different starting combination that played today um and so like you know, there's a lot of that happening in the offensive line. It's happening in the secondary. You know, you're still trying to figure guys out on the defensive line, which made you have a, you know, a pretty big mid the trade deadline move to, to bring in Montez Sweat. So yeah. there's just a lot of things in flux. And you see these good teams that are playing every week, you know, and they're playing in prime time and they're winning games all the time. And it's like, oh, yeah, this offensive line has played together for the last four years. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, must be nice. <laughs> oh, OK. That'd be cool. Right. Um, and so the, it's just the Bears just aren't there. But yeah. you hope to see more of these guys establish themselves as players that are going to be here for a while and not these yeah. transient players. Like you mentioned that Yannick Ngakwe. He's here on a mercenary deal for one year because the Bears knew that they didn't have any kind of defensive end that could rush the passer. Yep. Now he's on the side of a milk carton, but that's what he was brought in for. Right. And it's a one year investment and it's not that big of a deal. Uh, But, you know, the more that these guys can more that they can find these building block pieces and put them next to each other and have them play next to each other. That is where you're going to get that continuity. And that's where players are going to start to play off each other and and they're going to do better in the long term. Yeah. And I completely agree. And I think that we're talking about because you posted, I think it was six for the offensive line, different formations now seven. Seven today and how many with our DB room? Because I think since the first half of week one, we haven't had our starting DBs out there either because Kyler Gordon went down yep. week one, missed four weeks. And then when that started happening, Jalen's missed time, Brisker's missed time. We've seen even guys, we've seen Greg Stroman come out. We've seen Elijah Hicks come out. We've seen Terrell Smith come out. The amount of rotation that's had to happen in the defense back, uh, the defensive back room too. That's what sticks out to me so much is like, we're having the same exact issue on the offensive line as we are with the DBs right now. And like, at some point you want to see these guys be able to be out on the football field. And like you said, has some sort of like constant and we haven't had any sort of constant on either of those sides. Yeah. I got Terrell Smith has missed time and he, and he yep. but he's been in right. Tyreek Stevenson. Right. Like, so you do have a lot. Of, and, and of course, Eddie Jackson has missed, has missed yep. uh, quite a bit of time. So um, yeah, it's a really good point. I haven't mapped that out, but I, I think you're right. And, and uh, that, 
it, it has an impact. Like offensive line and a DB room are very similar, right? Like they, yep. they learn what each other's doing. They know when they're passing off coverage, like an offensive line knows when they're passing off stunts. Like there's a lot of uh, similarities between uh, a DB unit and an offensive line unit. So that's, that's a good observation there. Um, so I want to kind of shift focus short week, uh, second uh-huh. Thursday night game for the bears this year. They changed that rule this year. Um, you know, I, how I feel about it, whatever. Like, I think that you should not be allowed to play on a Thursday. If you just played on a Sunday, I think they should yeah. change the rules where you should get two bye weeks and, you know, an early bye week and a late bye week. And you can only play a Thursday game coming off that just for player safety and for game plans, for the quality of the product, whatever. But America and is going to be treated. Health. Our mental health. (laughs) Our mental health. Yeah, it's certainly a good concern there too. Um, But, you know, America is going to be treated to the Chicago Bears and and the Carolina Panthers uh, uh, on Thursday night. We, the Panthers right now, looks like it's late second quarter. They're they're trailing the Colts 10 to three. Um, hopefully the Colts can, you know, get put put that game out of out of reach and 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 win that one for us. Um, but you know, this game is obviously going to have a lot of attention because the Bears own the Panthers' first pick. So there's going to be you know a lot of discussion about trying to better the Bears' pick with uh with with getting that victory um as well. But short week. Justin Fields threw the football, had a limited practice uh, late this week. It puts at least on the table that Justin Fields could come back. I would imagine with a four turnover game from Tyson Bajan that they may be a little bit more interested in bringing yeah. back Justin Fields this week. I think if Tyson Bajan would have just like, you know, had had a game. Uh, and again, he threw Even a couple a touchdown passes. He did some good Even things. Even one or right? two. Yeah. 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 But if he like, if he would have maybe thrown you know, three, inter- three touchdowns, one or two interceptions. I think he may, there may have been a discussion right now. I'm thinking if, if Justin can throw the ball, they're going to put him in there. But um, once they hand that back to, to Justin, you know, you would assume that's his uh, for the rest of the year. And yep. unless, unless another injury uh, were to take him out. What do you think that the Chicago bears decision makers, the coaching staff, which I'm not really interested in bringing back this year anyway. Um, but you know, what do you think the fans, like, what do you think we need to see from Justin Fields in the second half of the year to at least make this a conversation about what the bears should do at quarterback moving forward? I think the biggest thing is we need consistency because we've seen so many flashes of Justin. Like we've been able to see, even this year, we saw the couple back-to-back games where there was eight touchdowns and you felt like everything was clicking and you were like, man, like this is what a coherent offense should look like. Like you should be able to throw touchdowns. You should have limited issues. Not, I'm not asking for zero. I'm not asking for zero mistakes. Mistakes are going to happen. We even see Kansas city making mistakes now. Um, But it, there's moments where you just want some sort of consistency. And I think that you need a string of games from Justin where you're seeing the same thing and you're seeing limited mistakes. You're seeing some more. And cause I think the two knocks that we always hear on Justin obviously are the anticipation and maybe the like mid range throws. That's a lot of his things. If he's holding the ball too long. And uh, I, I think for Justin, a lot of it is he always wants that. He doesn't want the five yard, reception he wants the 20 yard reception and it's like at some point he has to realize that you know 
get those five yards, get those five yards when you can get them. Um, so I think you want to see that though. You want to see the consistency of Justin being able to complete passes. You want to see third down conversions because that looked the first, the first three, four games of the season. I don't think we, I think we converted like two third downs in that entirety. Um, so you want to see that. You want to see limited mistakes. Like I said, you want to see him feel like you're really taking a control of the offense. And we saw it. We saw it for a couple games this year. We saw it for a few games last year. There was that stretch. The Patriots, obviously, was that first game where we were like, whoa, like this could be something where we're, it's on up. We see confidence in Justin Fields. We see these connections being made. Um, I think a big thing for me, too, is being able to see different weapons being used because I do feel like Justin sometimes finds his guy during the game, and that's his guy, and it, it doesn't shy away from that. You want him to be able to use different weapons. You want him to be able to – Use his legs. We mentioned earlier in the, and maybe they should start scheming some stuff the way they were today because there were certain scenarios where I was like, if they were doing this for Justin, Justin would have got 17 yards out of it. You know, like th those are the moments that you want. You hope that maybe they're like, stop making him stand in the pocket and make him a pocket passer, whatever they were trying to do in the beginning of the year. Justin is Justin. He's not going to be that guy. That's just not who he is. So, but you do want to see more than, a game or two. You want to see three, four, five games straight of Justin being able to score touchdowns and limit his mistakes and look like he's making connections with the offense as a whole and not just a guy. Yeah, it's a great point. And uh, Chris in the comments here, Chris Armstrong uh, says she'd like to see Justin do those things too. Um, and then questions, are we getting a new offensive coordinator? And I think that's an interesting point because, well, first of all, we're not, uh, as far as I know, there, no, no one's going to uh, d dismiss uh, Luke Getzey at this point. But I, I think it's interesting because part of my take on all of this is that Luke Getze would love to call these games for Tyson Bajan because yeah. he want, like he he sees the game as like Tyson like oh check this down and do all this I don't think he really understands and knows how to uh, take advantage of the things that Justin does well obviously we all know that there are things that Justin can do better um, and, and and that's well documented I'm not saying that he's uh, anywhere close to a perfect player, but you just don't see that same level of creativity for, yeah. for, for Justin Fields. And like, like I said today, there were times where there were some easy throws that were, you know, I uh, heard a stat early on where they said Tyson Bajan is under center almost twice as much as, uh -huh. as Justin Fields has been. And that's been part of my question, you know, this, this whole time, like, why, why aren't you putting him under center more yeah. and, and allowing some more play action? Where was this establishing this power run game with these, you know, this backfield that you had with these kind of ass kickers up front with, you know, Tevin Jenkins is just bodying people oh, left and right. Okay. Like, I mean, he's, I mean, he's, he's going to get my trench tribute uh, spoiler alert tomorrow. Love like, it. I mean, he's, he's absolutely killing it. Right. And so, you know, where is that identity that you saw that you thought you'd see the, the bears establish and then play off of that. Right. Like, yeah. you know, the, the play action works and you just don't see it much. Um, and so I don't know that the the offensive coordinator that the Bears have in house right now does not seem like the guy that's flexible enough or talented enough in in his own abilities to take advantage of what Justin Fields has. And so part of this is a, is interesting because you want to see that consistency from Justin Fields down the stretch, but is he really going to be in a put in a position to succeed? And then if he is somehow does that, does he now save this staff, which I think this staff has proven that they have, they should be nowhere near this team next year. Right. Which we're and like, so, don't save them. 
<laughs> right. So it's just this weird thing. Like, is there a way to thread the needle where Justin looks really good and you want to like bring in a new person to work with him? Like there'd be people, you know, offensive minds around the league, like yeah. a Ben Johnson who say like, Oh, I want this job. Cause I, I, I know how to use this guy. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't seem as very likely. Right. Like, so there's just some weird conflict down in the last eight games of like, what do you do here? It what just happened? feels like a lose, lose every time. Yeah, and I think that a lot of it with Getze to me, and I've talked about this with so many people, where it's like, well, Getze, obviously, we know came from Green Bay. He was Aaron Rodgers' guy. How much did he actually have to do for Aaron Rodgers? Because I don't think anything. <laughs> like, right. I cannot, I bet you the conversations were more so like, hey, maybe you should do this. And Aaron was like, no, I'm going to do this. And he was like, okay. <laughs> Like, yeah. go ahead. I feel like it was actually probably more the opposite. Like, Getsy had the clipboard and it said, what do you want to do here, Aaron? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he would say something and he'd say, oh, good idea. I will yeah, make sure I call yes. that. I will make sure I try to get somebody else to call it because Getsy wasn't even the one calling it, right? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's yeah, you're absolutely right. Hiring a first-time first time coordinator who didn't have experience calling plays yeah. to, you know, be the guy to, to run uh, the offense with a very young quarterback it was a bad yeah, a very idea. Very different start. quarterback. Very like very different. Polar opposite quarterback of what he was coaching. Right. Absolutely. Very different. And you're trying to make him into something that he's not. It's yeah. all. This is a. This is how you don't run a team. Uh, but, but again, <laughs> this is a, this is big picture talk. And what you know, yeah. we're, we're supposed to stick to a post game. But you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to stick and, and not go uh, global here. But. So you um, asked me, Jeff, though, like, what is your expectations of what you'd want to see then from Justin and from the Bears for the last half of the season for you to be, let's say, confident that Justin Fields is the guy, but knowing it's still time to move away from coaching staff and at least revamp that side of things? I mean, you know, it's so much of the talk is always about wins and losses. And so like that, I don't want to go there because that to me doesn't matter um, so much to me for, for Justin to save his, to, to point the direction of Justin in the future is a lot more complicated than what he plays on the field. That's the yeah. truth of it. But for me to continue to believe in him, because I really like the guy and I, and I want him to succeed. I want there to be, like you said, consistency over the back into the, into the, I, I can't have another clunker, right? Like he used yeah. all of his get out of jail free cards early yeah. in the year, right? Like you can't have another clunker. No more um, 70 yard pass games. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like he has yeah. to continue. He has to stack the good outings. Um, and I think it just, there, there just needs to be something that clicks yeah. whatever that is for him. You know, you saw there, he just sort of did that late last year when he was using his legs more, but what, sticks in my mind is that he would have these games and then you, they cut to him on the sidelines and he's getting his hamstrings worked on. Yeah. Right. Because, because he's just like putting his body through so much to be able to get to that level. And, and it's like, well, that's not sustainable. Right. No. And so there has to be some marriage of being able to take some of the easy stuff. He doesn't have to hit all of it, but he has to take some of it. Um, but then to not kill what makes Justin Fields, Justin Fields, which yeah. is that, big game hunting ability, either downfield throwing or being willing to take off and, and make those big plays with his legs when he needs to. I just haven't seen that this year. I mean, again, he had a couple four touchdown games, which were incredible, um, and then came out the next half of football and, and looked pretty terrible. And so you just you just want to see everything just click. And, yeah. you know, he plays a couple of tough defensive fronts, right? He's got Detroit twice, uh, and he's going to have to play Cleveland. And, you know, those are going to be good 
the, the defensive fronts. And then, you know, they're going to have to play Minnesota again. And, you know, the, the, the blitz in Minnesota is going to continue to come there. You know, the, the beatings will continue until morale improves, right? Like they, they will continue to, to go all out blitz you until you, until you prove that you can beat it. Right. And so I want to see growth in those areas. Um, You know, I can put some extra blockers in the next time. It would be nice, right? If the scheme <laughs> helped, um, but but also Justin has to be able to learn how to read hot. He has to Definitely. be able to learn how to say like, okay, this is coming. Um, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this right away, or I'm gonna get rid of this, or I'm gonna change the play. I'm gonna bring in, a, you know, hey, that guy split out wide. I'm gonna bring him in, right? Like there, yeah. there's things that he has in his power, and maybe he's not allowed to do that, which is a coaching mistake. But uh, and so there's things that we don't know. But I just yeah. want to see a little bit more comfort, a little more command, and for for, for it to click for him. For that consistency. Yeah, I agree. All right. So the bears are now two and seven. They mm-hmm. are not a good football team, but there are some players that will continue to uh, build out this team for this year and into the future. You Taylor doll are doing an incredible job of letting us know some of those stories behind these guys, how they got here with your making monsters series, any preview of what you're thinking about for the second half of the year. Yeah, I mean, there's, and that's the thing, that's the crazy thing for me is because I feel like there is a lot of talent on this football team and there hasn't been a week, maybe one week, maybe in like week two, I remember being like, I don't even know, I don't know who to pick because no one really played that well. I think that's the week I I picked Trent and Gill. No offense to Trent and Gill, love them. But I didn't want to do an episode on a, a punter in week two, you know, like that's just, that wasn't my ideal um but now i'm to the point where there are a lot of choices that i haven't done yet and even this week i could go darnell mooney because i didn't do a mooney last year i could go tevin jenkins i haven't done a tevin jenkins and i'm literally like the ultimate hype person <laughs> of tevin jenkins and i haven't done a jenkins episode yet I haven't done a braxton episode he just returned had a couple of mistakes today but i think that we saw some improvement against the bull rush this week which was one of his biggest weaknesses last year obviously that everyone was saying he needed to work on um there's multiple guys that i could kind of go the route of i did a jack sanborn so can't do that uh i i guess i could do it again if you guys want to know more about jack sanborn but i already did that episode so to me there's still so many guys and last year it was almost like i was just like pulling air trying to be like okay who made a good play that i could pick for this for this year and this year it's a little different for me this year every game there's three four guys that i want to find more about you know like find more out and i'm like man like do i want to go this way or do i want to wait until he makes the big play because there's been multiple instances this year where i'm like kind of want to do tyreek stevenson but i feel like we're going to have a game where in the future in three four weeks where tyreek is just like all out and i'm like okay now i have to do tyreek so it's those it's that balance of like do I want to use an episode on a game where they played like decent or do I want to wait until they have that game where it's like, man, this guy just like completely balled out. I haven't done Jalen op- uh, episode. And I think I was debating last week, but then I was like, the moment I do this, he's going to get traded and <laughs> it'll happen. Like I did Roshan last year. Um, so I waited on that one. Obviously he's staying. So I could now do a Jalen episode, not after this week, because I feel like there wasn't too much there, but there's, there's so many routes to go and there's a lot of young talent. And I think that's a large part of it. When you look at how many year one twos are playing on the bears roster and how much they're counting on those guys to be successful, it's exciting, but that's why I think we're also seeing some of the outcome we're seeing. Sure. Young players, young, young roster. And that's what you want to see. 
is that there's at least they're not an old roster uh and yeah. playing poorly that's a old overpaid roster that's that's <laughs> two and seven is like the worst case scenario but yeah. uh i would say just maybe just do an entire episode on jack sanborn's neck right we, we, need, to know, <laughs> we need to learn more about how you get a neck like that and you know anyway maybe um, i can get him on and be like just tell that'd us be amazing yeah just what, what do you do man like what is this all about uh yeah, i had a football coach that called it a gunther neck just like oh. all these you know, i don't know uh get like guys named Gunther would have a neck like that. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's, that's always what I think when I think of see guys like Takeo spikes or the, yeah. the big, with the big neck, but. Which I feel um, like we see a lot of, like there's a, a good amount of linemen that usually have that. Like you see those necks on linemen. Yeah. Or line. I mean, linebackers can I guess linebackers because line, linebackers are like, they, they do build it up. Cause they're just gonna, they're just gonna. There's like it. muscles forming that you didn't even know you had. They have muscles on muscles, right? Like that's the, that's the kind of like the, oh, a muscle just formed on top of my traps, you know? It's like, oh, geez, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know how they do it, but um, all right. Well, I think that's, uh, that's good enough uh, for a Bears loss uh, and, and we can, we can cut it there. Plenty of stuff coming this week. I'll be back tomorrow with Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. with uh, Bear and Balanced. Uh, a little later in the week, I'll be back uh, with EJ. We'll take your questions, uh, Bears over beers. And then I'm back on the short week as Bill's guest, as he will come back and do Not Your Average Bears postgame show as the host. And I can slide over to Taylor's chair and I can be the guest for that one. So uh, a lot from me coming up this week. And of course, all the, the columns and everything, make sure you're checking all those out. Taylor's been pitching in on some of the keys to the game um, as well. So you can see some of her writing on the website as well. Uh, any final words before we get out of here? I just was about to joke saying maybe that we should plan. I do the podcast with Lester next week because the one I got to do was a win. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you can, well, my biggest fear is that I get replaced, you know, so, so I, I don't feel that I can, uh, I can allow that because if that happens, then it's over. Right. Um, but uh, I appreciate you pitching in for that. You did a great job. And uh, yeah, so I'm kind of making up for the vacation by, by filling in on a, on a couple shows here. So um, thanks everybody for joining us uh, until next time. I know it's tough, but you know, we're used to this at this point. Bear down.